Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lift it up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the New Testament book of 1 Corinthians. The New Testament book of 1 Corinthians. And as we begin this series, let's turn together to 1 Corinthians chapter number 1. The book of 1 Corinthians and chapter number 1. The book of 1 Corinthians, of course, was penned by the Apostle Paul under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And the Apostle Paul had spent a year and a half working with this church. He spent a lot of time investing in this church, loving this church. And so it had, some news had come to the Apostle Paul that there were some things going wrong inside of the church of Corinth. Paul had been in Ephesus at this time and seeing the Bible Institute and seeing many people being reached. And he received this uh, information. And so under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, taking pen and paper in hand, he goes to write a letter to try to point out what they're doing wrong and how they could fix it to be honoring to the Lord. And so we find this letter that as we had left off on Wednesday, that this... Um, letter had been received, and the Apostle Paul had asked that all the uh, church of Corinth assemble together, and that for this letter to be read out loud for all of the parties there to hear it together and hear it from Paul's own hand about what they needed to do to take care of the things within the church. So notice with me, if you don't mind, in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter number 1, and as we read this together, I want you to have in your mind the setting where the preacher is taken up the scroll. He has unrolled it. He has all the church assembled and they're listening to the first time these words from the apostle Paul, a letter written to them, not realizing that this is also going to be scripture and that this is God's own power behind these words. Notice with me the book of first Corinthians chapter one and verse number one, Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God. And Sonithius, our brother, unto the church of God, which is at Corinth, to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be the saints with all that in every place call upon the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours. Grace be unto you, and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God always on your behalf for the grace of God which is given you by Jesus Christ, that in everything ye are enriched by him in all utterance and in all knowledge, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, so that ye come behind in no gift, waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall also confirm you unto the end, that ye may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is 
faithful, by whom ye were called unto the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, mark this phrase that we find in the book of 1 Corinthians in chapter number 1. The book of 1 Corinthians in chapter number 1, and notice with me if you don't mind in verse number 4, this phrase, I thank my God. I thank my God. And as we begin this epistle, as the Apostle Paul is making his introductory remarks to the church of Corinth through this letter, he starts off with this phrase, I thank my God. If you don't mind, let's go to the Lord together. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you again for you being a wonderful God. Thank you for being a God who loves us so very much. Thank you for caring for us. Thank you for even giving us this scripture so we can learn for ourselves what your expectations are and how we can get things fixed to line up with what you desire for us. As we start off here, help us to understand how important it is for us to be thankful and that we could walk away from this service being a thankful people. We love you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Now, Paul is preparing in this epistle to set things in order. Now, <clears throat> just as a little asterisk, this is one of the hardest things that a pastor has to do. Inside of the book of Titus, Paul had given instructions to Titus while he was there at Crete for this one thing to do, to set things in order. Why is that so important? Well, because most things in this world are out of order. In fact, so many things are out of order that some people think that out of order is in order. There is a lot of things are out of order. And one of the main jobs of a pastor is to set things in order. Inside of the church of Corinth, there's a lot of things that are out of order. A lot of things that are not lining up the way that they should line up. A lot of things that are not being done the way that they should be done. And Paul is going to take a lot of time to correct this and to correct this. There's going to be some times that he's going to be upset and telling him, get this done now. No questions, no debate, get it done. There's some times he's going to have to seriously say, listen, what are you thinking? You're out of your minds. Get this fixed. There's a lot of things in this letter that the Apostle Paul is going to have to set in order. But before he starts telling them all the things that are wrong and all the things that need to be fixed, he starts off by saying, I'm thankful for you. I want to thank God for some things that are found inside of your life. Before we start talking about the bad news, let's talk about the things that I like about you. Let's talk about some things that I enjoy about you. Let's talk about some things that I'm thankful that God has placed in your life. If you don't mind, as we walk through this passage here, let's see some things that the Apostle Paul was thankful to the church of Corinth that he could take time to thank God about. The first thing that we see here is that he was thankful for God's grace. He was thankful for God's grace. Notice if you don't mind, in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter number 1 and verse number 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse number 3. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God on your behalf for the grace of God which is given to you by 
Jesus Christ. So notice two times in these two verses, we have the word grace. Verse number four, he's very direct about it. I thank my God always on your behalf. Why? For the grace of God, which is given to you by Jesus Christ. He's thankful for what God has done inside of their life. What is grace? The idea of grace is that some people will use this device, acrostic, that grace is God's riches at Christ's expense. We could summarize it like this, that God is giving us things that we don't deserve. You know, there's a lot of things we don't deserve. We don't deserve to be saved, but God has offered salvation to us. We don't deserve a lot of wonderful things to happen in our life. You know what we do deserve? We deserve to be roasting in hell right now. God has provided so much for us. I mean, we live in America. My wife and I were talking about, or my daughter and I were talking about last night about how great it is to live in here. That as much as people are saying the sky is falling and everything is bad, we still live in the greatest country. Nobody was harassed about going to church today. Nobody searched your car to see whether you had a Bible and was going to arrest you if they found a Bible. I mean, we have a lot of freedom. We're thankful for it. Many of you had a choice of what you wanted to eat. And if you weren't satisfied with what you and you had your cupboard, you had the privilege of going to Quick Trip. By the way, in Wisconsin, we have the privilege of having Quick Trip. There's a lot of people around the country. They don't have a Quick Trip. We're blessed beyond measure. We have lots of blessings that we have. There's lots of things that we don't deserve that God has allowed us to enjoy. That God has provided these things. And when we look at it, we don't deserve any of it. We don't deserve to have a Bible. We don't deserve to have a pastor. We don't deserve a lot of things. I know that we live in a mentality today in our country where everything is owed to us and that we're entitled for everything. We deserve this. But we deserve nothing. We deserve to be cooking in hell right now. And anything above and beyond that is God's grace. And that God continues to provide grace. He grants us favor. That's his grace with other people. He grants us the uh, physical ability to work. The physical ability, some measure of health. That's God's grace. Even taking a breath. We're breathing his air. God has provided grace, so much grace, more than we deserve. The word grace is used 155 times in the word of God, but it happens to be one of Paul's favorite words. He uses it 110 times. It is something he used quite often. Why? Because Paul knew what he deserved. He was a murderer. He dragged people out of their houses. He understood he was living on God's grace. That everything he did and everything that God allowed in his life was his grace. As this was extended to the church of Corinth, many of these people at Corinth, they didn't deserve salvation. As a reminder of Corinth, this Corinth was a city of drunken sailors. This was a city of people that was that they had a Greek phrase. It was a common phrase. It was called doing the Corinthian. And if you were doing the Corinthian, you were involved in sexual sins and drunkenness. That was just their word of saying someone who was involved in those activities. Why? Because that's what Corinth was known for. 
Gambling had a roaring trade inside of the city of Corinth. A man couldn't walk down the street in Corinth without being propositioned by a prostitute. Corinth was the home of the famous uh, Venice um, Pendamus, the home of a vile Phoenician sex cult. Sin was on sale in a massive scale in the temple. When visitors had their fill of sin, the marketplace was the place to go. And there they would sell other kinds of gadgets and whatnot. Every type of thievery was placed on the unwary. Pit pockets were slipped in and out of the crowd. And back alley muggings were very common in the city of Corinth. It was not a nice place to live. It was a place that, if you could forgive a cultural term, it's like Gotham City without a Batman. Who would want to live there? All the awful things that are going on. I'm just trying to place a picture in head. If you need a more reference, imagine living in Vegas Strip. And you're just surrounded by it constantly. And this is what the people, this is the background they got saved from. Many of these people Paul led to the Lord themselves. And they were the people that was uh, promoting prostitution. These were the people that were the thieves in the back alley deals. These were the people who were taking advantage of other people with their finances. It was from this life of sin that many of the members of the church of Corinth came from. So this wasn't a group of people that were just choir um, angels from their very birth. These were people who were saved from an awful life of sin. They didn't deserve anything and yet God had given them great grace. May I remind you that you didn't deserve salvation either. It was the gift of God, not of works, lest any man shall boast. None of you were good enough to get into heaven. None of you had lived a perfect enough life to get into heaven. None of you had even lived one single day that you didn't mess up. We've all messed up. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's none righteous. No, not one. None of us deserve to go to heaven. None of us were righteous enough. But yet God out of his grace provided the Lord Jesus Christ to die on our behalf. And beyond that, he has given us so much more. We need to be thankful for God's grace, God's favor, God's working in our life. The things that we have above and beyond what we deserve, which is nothing. If all you have is Roman noodles inside of your house, that's God's grace and God's provided for you. Praise the Lord for it. As much as we like to complain about what we don't have, God has given us so much. Paul was reminding him, I'm thankful for what God has done in your life. I'm thankful that you've gotten saved. I'm thankful that you're assembled together. I'm thankful for the influence that you have. I'm thankful for what God has done in your life. It is God's grace. He says, I thank my God always on your behalf for the grace of God, which is given to you by Jesus Christ. You deserved hell. You deserved punishment. But God saved you. He's lifted you up. He's assembled you together. He wants to use you. I thank God for God's grace because of Jesus Christ on your behalf. Oh, we need to be thankful for God's grace. 
What's the second thing that the Apostle Paul was thankful for? What's the second thing as he begins to write this letter to the church of Corinth? He says, I always thank God. I thank God. What's another thing he thanks God for? Notice with me in verse number five, we could see that he's thankful for the church's gifts. He's thankful for the church's gifts. Verse number five, that in everything ye are enriched by him in all utterance and in all knowledge. God had truly gifted the church of Corinth in a special way. He has put his blessings on this church and had given them great gifts. Now, many of these gifts they had misused, and Paul's going to correct that. But God had given them great gifts. What are some of the gifts that he had given them? Verse 5, that in everything ye are enriched by him. First of all, what gifts did they have? They had God's enrichment, God's favor. We already talked about God's grace, God working inside of them, God growing them in grace, God letting them mature, God giving them things so they can step forward. There was a lot of enrichment. Notice there was a second thing that God had gifted them with. Verse number five, that in everything ye are enriched in him in all utterance. The word utterance carries a literal idea of eloquence. This is uh, practically this idea of utterance is the ability to write and speak. The ability to write and speak. Now, in an ancient world, to have people that could speak and not just speak, but speak well, that's a great blessing. You know, think about this. Many of you, when you went through school, had to do some type of public speaking. And for some of you, that was the worst day of your life in school. That you had to make a presentation out loud. You had to use words out loud. Now, the teacher always had to tell you to shut up because you always talk when it wasn't your turn to talk. But you had to stand before a crowd and say some words. And all of a sudden, there's a cold sweat. You have a chill run down your spine. Your mouth turns like cotton. And you, you just, your, your brain goes blank. You stare at everybody. I mean, you had a time where you had to do public speaking. And you looked at some people that when they got up, it looked very easy to them. Well, here the church of Corinth had been blessed with eloquence, with not just being able to read and write, but to read and write well. There's a lot of people that say, I struggle with reading. And maybe you're a little bit envious with someone who could read well. For example, my wife's a reader. She could read a book in one day easily. And that's even if she's busy. She had um, <coughs> all the time in the world. She could knock out several books at once. Now, for some of you like that, that's, that's I can't imagine doing that. I could get through a couple pages in an hour maybe and then have to rest my weary brain. You know, we understand God has given to, but for the church of Corinth as a whole, these are people that could speak well, read well, write well. That was a great blessing he had given to this church. And you would almost expect that God had given this blessing to the church that they're going to use it wisely. We're going to see throughout the rest of the book they did not. But God had gifted this church in a special way to be able to speak eloquently, to write eloquently, to be able to use these gifts that God had given them and the idea of utterance. What else did God gift them with? 
He gifted him with in all knowledge. That in everything you are enriched by him. In all utterance and in all knowledge. Now like most Greeks they cherished an inflated love for things of the mind and things of intellectual attainments. They had a hard time understanding the fact that mere natural cleverness and intellectualist is valueless when it's compared to a spiritual life. What do we mean by this? Most Greeks at that time, they just wanted to learn more things. They were the perennial students. They always wanted to learn something new. They're always trying to find. These are people that if they had Wikipedia back in those days, they'd be happy for the rest of their lives. Always something to study. Always something to learn. Always something to find out. They wanted to, didn't, they didn't do anything with the knowledge. They just wanted to know everything. They would, you know, if they found out some new thing, they would get a public platform and be able to tell everyone, this is what I learned. And people would gather around to listen to hear what they learned because they were all trying to find some new thing. So the church of Corinth had been blessed in special ways that they had God's favor. They had God's enrichment, that they had utterance. They could speak well. They could write well. They had the blessings of intellectual knowledge that they could be able to know things. And they wanted to know more about these things. Now, let me pause here. We're going to talk about spiritual gifts a little bit later, but every person who gets saved, the Holy Spirit, who is God, comes to live inside of you. And one of the benefits of God living inside of you is that he gives every single person a spiritual gift, at least one. There are several spiritual gifts. Sometimes God will really bless someone and give them several spiritual gifts, but everyone gets at least one. And so sometimes people who are not discerning will think that these spiritual gifts are natural. Meaning that I'm smart. No, God blessed you with an idea of learning. And now you're using it for your own gain rather than for using it for the Lord's gain. Some people God has blessed with the ability to make money. I'm not one of them. But, uh, you know, there's some people, but they think because I got this ability, I got to use it for me and they don't use it for the Lord. They're misusing those gifts. There are some people who have a gift of intelligence and we're thankful for those. But some people think that all they could do is learn more and more and more, but they don't do anything with that gift. And so they think they're really great. Look at how smart I am. I want everyone to recognize how big my brain is. Everyone touch it. But they don't do anything with that knowledge and it's wasted. But God had given them much gifts. Now, again, we're going to talk about how they misused these gifts later. But Paul is saying, I'm thankful that God has clearly done something with this church. Now, can you imagine the church of Corinth, the benefits that they've had so far? For those of you who weren't here Wednesday, let's catch you up. In the church of Corinth, They were the biggest church in the entire area outside of the church of Jerusalem or the church of Antioch. They were the biggest church around. So they had the blessing of numbers. They had it with it, the blessings of influence. As we had saw as the church was started, they had many influential people inside of Corinth who joined that church and used their influence. They had the influence of even government. Remember the people tried to go before the Roman governor at that time and the Roman government kicked them out and said, listen, we're not going to talk about that. It's not a big deal. And they, Paul didn't even have to say a single word. 
They had the influence of government kind of protecting them. They had the influence of the people inside of the church that many of them were wealthy. Now, it'd be nice if we had a couple millionaires in here tithing, right? <laughs> that wouldn't hurt our feelings though, but not every church has that blessing. In the, the church of Corinth, as we saw here, there was a lot of people within the church that had the blessings to be able to read and write well. Do you think that could help a church if that's used wisely? Absolutely. They had in this church people who could speak well, not just one or two, but a bunch of people that could speak well. Do you think that could help a church move forward if it's used for the Lord? In this church, they had a lot of people who were smart and not just smart, but they liked learning. If that was used for the Lord, could that help a church move forward well? Absolutely. So this was a gifted church. This was a church that was clearly gifted in a special way. And Paul is recognizing it, that this is, God's done something special with this church. And I'm thankful for what God's done. Now he's going to yell at him later and said, you're not doing it right. You're not giving it to the Lord. You're doing it for yourself. Let's bring it back. But clearly without a doubt, God had blessed that church. And he says, I'm thankful for God's gifts. He recognized it wasn't the Corinthians who did it. It was God who had given it to them. He was thankful for the church's gifts. What else was he thankful for? He was also thankful for the congregation's testimony. He was thankful for the congregation's testimony. Notice if you don't mind in verse number six. He says... Even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, so that ye came behind in no gift, waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall also confirm you to the end, that ye may be blameless in the day of Jesus Christ. Notice in verse 6, even as the testimony of Christ was within you. He says, I'm thankful for the testimony that the church has, for the individuals inside of the church. Now, the greatest evidence that the Bible is true is the evidence of a changed life. No matter how worldly this church may be, there was some evidence of a changed life, that they were not what they were before. Notice Paul makes a reference of this in 1 Corinthians chapter number 6. 1 Corinthians chapter number 6. Now, as I gave that description of Corinth before, it was not a good place to go. It's not a place where today you would willingly want to go send your kids, hey, I want you to go learn everything you can from Corinth. I want you to go to the Las Vegas Strip and I want you to gain the knowledge you possibly could. It's not something that we would want to get done. But many of these people were led to the Lord by Paul out of these various places within Corinth. Notice if you don't mind this testimony in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Notice with me in verse number 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse number 9. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. Verse number 11 
and such were some of you. But ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus by the Spirit of our Lord. Notice in the beginning of verse number 11, he says, and were such some of you. Some of you were like this. What were they like before they got saved? Notice again in the verse number nine. Know ye not that unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived. So notice this list. Neither fornicators. Which were some of you? What are fornicators? Fornicators were people who had sexual sins in their life. He says, some of you inside of the church that are members of the church of Corinth, you used to be involved in sexual sins. Now, remember, that's what Corinth was known for. Paul just didn't go and say, hey, you know what? I'm only looking for righteous people to get saved. Amen. He went to sinners. Amen. Some of these would be the ones who work those temples and the sex cults. Praise the Lord for every person who gets saved out of that. And we're such some of you, fornicators. He says, nor idolaters. Remember, they had an actual temple set up to a false god in Corinth. There were people who were involved in that trade and were such some of you. Some of you are involved in that, but not anymore. Nor idolaters, adulterers. You know, there were some people that got saved in the church of Corinth that before they got saved, they were cheating on their wife, cheating on their husbands. And some of you were there, but now you got saved. Praise the Lord. They were different now. Something happened to them nor effeminate. The word effeminate here carries with it the idea of practicing homosexuality. And he says, some of you got saved. Some of you were that away, but now you're different. Something, God did something with you. Nor abusers of themselves with mankind. Again, it carries with it that same thought before <coughs> uh, of, of committing the homosexual acts. Nor thieves. Remember, thievery was a big deal in Corinth. Some of them were pit pockets. Can you imagine? In my mind's eye, my imagination, just some kid trying to pit pocket Paul. Paul catches him. And instead of lecturing him, he, he leads him to the Lord. He comes a part of the church. And after a while, he's the guy putting the offering plates and putting through. Praise the Lord that God could change someone's life like that. And we're such some of you. Nor covetous. The idea of desiring something that's not for you. In a place like Corinth that was debauched, wasn't there always a lot of people who wanted something that they didn't have that someone else had? Yeah. That's where all the thieves came from. Nor drunkards. Again, doing the Corinthian was someone who was involved in sexual sins and drunkards. Some of you were drunkards, but guess what? You got saved. There's something different now. Nor revilers. There were some people that were very good at are using their words to make people feel really small. <laughs> they were revilers. They could use their words to cut people up, to hurt people with their words. Uh, some of you, maybe before you got saved, were professional word swordsmen. You could cut someone down pretty quick with your words. Speaking sarcasm and making them feel dead small. But you got saved. <laughs> nor extortioners. Again, this is Corinth. <laughs> Remember, extortioners, uh, plural. There was probably a lot of people inside of the church of Corinth that beforehand were thugs. And that 
Paul led him to the Lord. Can you imagine someone trying to extort money from Paul? Listen here, I know that you're a preacher and we're going to tell everyone that, what, uh, that you did this unless you give us money. And Paul says, how about if I give you something better than money? Well, what's that? Well, I'm going to give you a free gift through the Lord Jesus Christ. You want a free gift? Uh, what's going on? Well, first of all, you're a sinner, you know, and next thing you know, they're trying to extort money from them. And next thing you know, they're getting saved. I mean, Paul had to reach all of these people. Can you imagine what type of daily things Paul went through in the in Corinth before there was all these people saved going one by one and talking to people and all these different things that happened? Paul had to make contact with them somewhere. You kind of just use your divine imagination for this, isn't it? Kind of, And now they're saved and they're inside of the church. When Paul would show up and visiting, can you imagine him saying, yeah, I remember where I saw you at and I remember where I met you at. And I remember where I found you at. We're not going to talk about where I found you. <laughs> and we're such, we're some of you. He says, none of you shall, none of those shall inherit the kingdom of God and such were some of you. Notice it was the word and not but. He says, and were such were you. Not the opposite of a continuation. You were this and now you are this. You are saved. There's a difference in your life. Why? But you are washed. But ye are sanctified. But ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the spirit of the Lord. So notice in verse number 11, we start with the word and. That's a conjunction. It's carrying off of the thought. But notice it uses the word but three times here. This is also a conjunction, but it's using the opposite of. But it's using a literary type thing where it uses the but repeatedly to slow down and place an emphasis on each of these statements. Some of you were all of these things, but ye are washed. What does that mean? They were sinners and they got washed by the blood of the lamb. They were cleansed and made white as snow because of the shed blood of Jesus. They were this before, but now they're like this. Paul's saying, I'm thanking the Lord for your testimony that you're not this anymore. There's an evidence of a changed life. This is what you were like before, but now you're washed. You're saved. There's something different. He says, but... Ye are sanctified. Now the word sanctified in the Bible is an important word. It carries the idea to be set apart for God's use. That God is doing something with us. In the Bible we have what is called the three tenses of sanctification. We have past tense, present tense, and future tense. All dealing with our relations with sin. So in the past we were saved from the penalty of sin. That means before I owed God a price, but I have been saved from the penalty of sin. I'll no longer owe God the debt of hell ever again. In the present, I am being saved from sin, meaning I'm being saved from the power of sin. What does that mean? That means now because I'm saved and the Holy Spirit living inside of me, I no longer have to sin. That God is working on me that I sin less and less and less. By the way, as a Christian, I hope that's your testimony that you're sinning less and less and less. That you look back and say, I don't sin like I used to. I know I'm not perfect, but I'm not what I was. 
that there should be something in there that God is helping knock sin out of my life. I am present tense getting being sanctified. He is working in my life so I be more like him and sin less and less. I'm being saved from the power of sin. So I was saved in the past tense from the penalty of sin. I am present tense being saved from the power of sin. And in the future, I will be saved from the presence of sin. That in the future, God is going to remove all sin from me, give me a brand new body that I'll no longer be able to sin against God anymore. That's sanctification. There's three tenses. I was saved from sin. I'm being saved from sin. And I will be saved from sin. I was saved from the penalty of sin, saved from the power of sin, and will be saved from the presence of sin. And Paul says, but ye are sanctified. God has done a work in your life. God is bringing you closer to him. That there's clearly a work. That there's something different. I'm thankful for the testimony. Verse number 11. And were such some of you. But ye are washed. But ye are sanctified. But ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus. What is the word justified? That is a legal term that carries the idea that is just as if not that we had sinned, but just as if we had never been sinners. That we now have God's record on our account. That when these people before they were guilty, if anyone would get a hold of them, they would stand before a judge. Without a doubt, they were guilty. But now when they stand before the great judge because of Jesus Christ, they stand before and they have Jesus' record and his record is blank. There's no charges. We are justified. There is something different. By the way, when you realize that God has forgiven you of your sins, it should change your behavior. What he's saying here is, I thank my God for your testimony. What is a testimony? It is the evidence of a changed life. Now, may I place an emphasis here that if you made a profession of faith, but there is no evidence of changed life, that there's nothing different about your life from before you made a profession to now, there's something bad wrong. If you are not different, something didn't work because it's not Bible. The way that we know the Bible works is the evidence of a changed life. There are many people who can make a false profession who could agree intellectually and not get saved. But if you are not different, there is something wrong. Now, you say, you're being mean, pastor. No, I'm saying lovingly things to you. The worst thing that can happen is for you to think that you're saved and not go. The worst thing that can happen is for you to show up in this church and nod your head and think that you're all right when you're not. If there's no evidence of a changed life, there is something wrong. Paul is saying, and such were some of you, but now... There are things that are different. Things are different now. Something happened to me when I gave my life to Jesus. Things I loved before have passed away. Things I love far more have come to stay. Things are different now. Something happened to me the day that I met Jesus. I hope that's your testimony. That you said, I'm not perfect, but I'm not what I was. God has done something to me. I am different. By the way, if you're not different, I don't care who you are, come see me and I'll be glad to take the Bible and let's get that settled. But Paul's saying, I'm thankful. As many problems as you have as a church, Corinth, there's still evidence that you're saved because there are things that are different. I'm thankful that being saved doesn't mean that we have to be perfect. 
because none of us would make it. <laughs> <We'd>, <laughs> there's, but I'm thankful that God is, gives grace and that we are changed and being changed because of what God has done for us. He says, I thank my God for God's grace. I thank my God for the gifts that you have. I thank my God for the testimony that you have. If you go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, we could see there's one more thing that the Apostle Paul is thankful for. Notice with me, if you don't mind, 1 Corinthians in chapter number 1, 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And notice with me, if you don't mind, in verse number 9. 1 Corinthians in chapter number nine, 1 and verse number 9. God is faithful. By whom you've been called unto the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. What's the last thing he was thankful for? He says, I'm thankful for the fellowship in Christ. I'm thankful for the fellowship in Christ. He makes reference of this in verse number two. Unto the church of God, which is at Corinth, to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus, to be called, or called to be saints, that with all the place upon them that call upon the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours. What is this fellowship? Well, this fellowship that we have is that we have a common bond because of Jesus Christ and what he has done for us. What is our common bond? We're all sinners who deserved hell. But Jesus died for us and we all had to come to the place where we personally asked Jesus to be our savior. Because of that, we have a common influence. We have a common bond. There's a connection that we all have. If we looked at things realistically at our church, we all have differences. We have different ages. We have different backgrounds. We're from different places. We have different likes, different hobbies. If we were to be honest outside of the church, if it wasn't for Jesus Christ, none of you want to hang out with me. I mean, I'm not from Wisconsin. Some of you are. Not everyone has the privilege of being from Texas. <laughs> I don't, I'm not of the same age group. Some of you don't want to hang out with someone older. Some of you don't want to hang out with someone younger. We don't have the same hobbies. Some people ask me all the time, what do you like to do for fun? I like to study. You want to join us? People are like, nope. I mean, if it wasn't for Jesus Christ, you wouldn't want to hang out with me. But because of Jesus Christ, we have a common bond. We can not only meet together at church, but we can have fellowship one to another outside of church because of what Christ Jesus has done for us. That if you have a problem, you could tell me and we could pray about it together. That we can encourage each other together because of Jesus Christ. That I'm thankful for God that we have a fellowship together all based off Jesus Christ. That Jesus Christ has done a work in us. And that we could praise God that we could have a reason to meet together. We could have a reason to sing songs together. I mean the songs we sang earlier, they were all about Christ. We had a reason to sing the same songs. Think about before you came to know the Lord. We may not even like the same music. But now we can come together and sing the same things because of Jesus Christ. We have a fellowship together. A common bond of Jesus Christ that ties us together. We have a lot to be thankful for. 
And as the Apostle Paul is starting this off, he's going to do some correction. He's going to point out some things that are wrong. We're going to see that starting tonight. That there are lots of problems and he's going to start tackling them right away. But he starts off and says, there's some things I'm thankful for. I'm thankful for God's grace, that God has really given us grace, given us much more than what we really deserve. And he continues to give us grace and blessings. He says, I can thank God because of the gifts that he's given to you. And every one of us has gotten gifts. We are gifted differently than Church of Corinth, but we surely have some gifted people here. And if you don't think that you're gifted, well, then maybe we should work on that because God's given you some gifts. Some of you are great encouragers. People like to be around you because you encourage them. Some people have been gifted with administration, organization. That's a great gift. We need to organize people. There's the ministration of helps. There are some people that said, I don't want to be in the foreground, but I'll be glad to be in the background. Right, Max? <laughs> that, you know, hey, you need something done, I'll be glad to do. You need this shoveled, I'll be glad to do that. Just don't ask me to speak. Praise the Lord. We need those type of people. Amen. God gives gifts to everyone and he's gifted our church. And we're thankful. We've got a lot of things accomplished in the last several years because of the giftings that he has given to the folks in here. And there's more gifts than that, but God's gifted our church. It's not the same as Corinth, but he's gifted us as what we need to get things accomplished, what God's given us here. Praise the Lord for his gifts. Praise the Lord for the testimony All of you have a testimony of salvation. All of you can say what your life was before you came to know the Lord, how you came to know the Lord, and what your life is like now that you've come to know the Lord. The differences, there should be some differences. That's evidence that you're saved. What was your life before compared to now? God should do something with it. There should be evidence that there's changes. Doesn't mean that you're perfect, but there should be changes. And then we're thankful for the fellowship that we could have one to another, that we have a common bond. There's something we could relate to. There's a reason where we could come together and listen to the preaching, come together and sing the songs, come together and have fellowship and enjoy actually being with each other. It's because of Jesus that we have a common fellowship. We need to be thankful too. Can you be thankful for these things in your life and the life of the church that you're a part of? Are you thankful for God's grace? Sometimes we need reminded that God's really done so much for us. Can you be thankful for the gifts that God's given to us and be thankful? I'm thankful for the talented people that God's placed in here. I'm thankful for the people who could shovel snow because I can't. That's a big deal. I'm thankful for someone to work the lights. I'm thankful for nursery workers. I mean, praise the Lord. There's a lot of people who could do these things. I'm thankful for the changed life that we have. Hopefully that you're still thankful that God has changed your life. That you're not like what you used to be. You're not what you're going to be. But I'm not what I was. And I can be thankful that we can come together. For a common bond of Jesus Christ. And that we could worship him together. Because we all have Jesus as a common bond. Threading us together. Are you a thankful person? Well if you have a hard time. Here's some things to start off with. What are you thankful for? The Bible commands us to be thankful. The Bible says, and actually in the book of 1 Thessalonians, to be thankful in all things for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. Let me tell you what God's good and perfect acceptable will is for you today, for you to be thankful. And let's start off by being thankful 
people. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920. 530-6308. Once again, that number is 920-530-6308. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.